0: Ladies and gentlemen, we're gonna take you all the way down in New Orleans this time. Competition is on. 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 Competition is on.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very special Monday edition of Hard to Paint with David Grubb. I have my first international guest on the show and he's a good friend of mine one of my favorite people to talk basketball with you know him from a number of places um but most uh probably most likely from bourbon street shots he is my friend
0: my brother the one and only andrew smith how are you doing sir i'm great out here man i'm great loving life just living and being happy how you feeling
1: man i'm i'm enjoying um the postseason uh, of the NBA, Uh, some good games today, Uh, very interesting developments. And I think that the part of the year that we're in, you know, where the basketball means more than what's just happening on the court, you start, you have to start seeing now what organizations are going to do and respond to what did and did not happen this season. So this is that fun part.
0: Man, I'm so upset because it's nine o'clock in the morning. and <laughs> Both the games are already happened. <laughs> <Right. laughs> so
1: if y'all don't know, Andrew is in Japan and has been there for several
0: months. And this is his second tour in Japan. And I don't know if we ever going to get it back because he, he loves it. there. You love it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I can't get enough. Like this, this country is, you know how, you know how I talks to get and I'm gonna be like, it's way different being in the country with some, uh, <laughs> with some different, uh, Rules and sense. So I'm, I'm definitely enjoying every second that I'm out here until I come back to America, whenever that may be. Before we get into the Pelicans,
1: I do want to ask, how is it following the NBA, following your team when you are on the other side of the world and you have to make those adjustments to, to get information, to not be late, you know, on some things and, and to be able to be engaged on a regular basis with the people that that you talk to and 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 share your love of the game with.
0: Well, you know how sports media is. Like if it happened thirty minutes ago, you're late. So doing it from across the world is it, it, it's it's tricky. Regular season, as far as the Pelicans, it ain't really affect me that much uh, because the Pelicans playing West Coast games and uh, and. and with the central time zone, when they're at home, it, it, that's about eleven o'clock in the morning for me here. I'm like, that is perfect. I love that. <laughs> like, I love that so much. <laughs> that was great. I wake up, I get my breakfast, wake up in the morning, I'm already ready. And even when they have a bad game or they frustrated, I'm like, I'm good. I got my whole day ahead. Everybody else in New Orleans got to go to sleep. Bad. <laughs> I get to. I get to go for a bike ride, go work out, go to a restaurant and go relax. But as far as the playoffs, it's been tough. It's been really hard to keep up with the playoffs. And I didn't realize how hard it is for international fans to keep up with the playoffs because, again, the the NBA's goal is to be a global game like soccer. They want to be the – they want to take basketball to that kind of level and they want to be that league. And I thought it would have been way easier to keep up with the playoffs. I'm like, the first game that started today started at about – four in the morning and I'm like nah <laughs> I'm like nah man I love basketball and all but I'm dead tired like it's, it's been rough keeping up with the playoffs uh mainly the whole Eastern Conference side of it the, the West have been able to catch a good amount of games but even when they start earlier it's like it's it's too early but as far as regular season and the Pelicans that's been no problem
1: We know also that Japan is a hotbed for the NBA. What is coverage like there? How does it compare to the way we consume it here in the U.S.?
0: Rui is a god. (laughs) That's pretty much how it works. (laughs) That's the NBA coverage here. Rui and Steph, and a few people still love LeBron going through, but Rui Hachimura and Steph uh, are the NBA. That's it. Other than that, like, it's it's really weird. It's really, really weird. I didn't realize how bad an NBA was doing, how bad of a job the NBA was doing as far as marketing in Asia. Uh, China, they have a lot. We don't have to talk about China. But when you talk about Japan, uh, some Korean markets, and Malaysia and the other Asian islands, they are not doing a good job at all. Like, a, a lot of people that I talk to still, like, that are my... Not my age, a little bit older than me in their early 40s, uh, mid 30s. They're still just like mm, Michael Jordan. That's all I know. Michael Jordan, Charles Barkley. That's it. Which I was kind of surprised Charles was in there with too. I was like, all right, damn. They, I was like, Le- hey, LeBron. Like, Who? I'm like, dog, LeBron? Some of them knew stuff, but I'm like, other than that, they like, uh, I don't know. But the people that are really, really into the NBA, they dedicate it. And you'll see that with a lot of international fans uh, all throughout. Like the Pelicans have a good international fan base uh, as far as like, you know, South American fans mm-hmm. and uh, a few fans in Fiji and, and, and some Asian, uh, Asian countries and things like that. Like they are dedicated, but it's just not it's not easy to be a casual fan. And that hurts. You have to be a hardcore fan and you, you just can't like grow a market that way
1: outside of the internet then how locally it, you know, is there coverage? Are there, there ways, you know, Rui, it's just
0: not. Exist- it. <laughs> <laughs> just, unless it's Rui, that's it. Unless it's Rui, like they'll, they'll show I was, I'm able to go to bars and watch wizard games all I want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, can, I, I was able to watch a ton of wizard games at bars and things like that. But other, other than that, as far as like news coverage, just general coverage, Nah, they don't, nah not really. <laughs> nothing. Like <laughs> nothing. You have to go and it's hard when you don't speak English. Mm-hmm. It's really hard when you have to go and turn to to, you know, American markets and there there aren't many English uh there aren't many Japanese speaking outlets other than the actual NBA app and they have their own show, but that's literally just one one aspect that you can cover whatever they cover is the only information you can consume the only team that does have their own japanese uh area that i'm aware of again is obviously the wizards because broody is a big part for them that's, so it's wizards fans and wh- whatever the nba can kind of give you that's that's really
1: strange considering the symbiotic nature of the us and japanese culture for so long and that we've been able to penetrate that market so well with baseball, clearly. Um, yes. And then we've that's had... A different,
0: that's a whole different monster right there. Right.
1: <laughs> but at the same time, we've had these occasional... You know, before Rui, there was... Um, uh, what is it? Uh, Tayabuse? You the Tayabuse? Have,
0: you have Yuto Watanabe uh, uh, out yeah. uh, and Oh, um, Wat- Watanabe. Watanabe. Watanabe, excuse me. There, there, no, there are, there are announcers every time I'm watching, and they... Yuri Watanabe. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> this is sad because
1: it's been a minute for me. I took Japanese in undergrad for a couple of semesters, and I was better than this at a while, for a while, and I'm just messing up. Probably just I can't see it in front of me.
0: Man, I am taking Japanese as soon as this class is. I mean, as soon as this is over but I got my Japanese class coming up because one of, the reason that you mentioned it, like, it's insane. And I want to help bridge that gap. I want to help give... Uh, give the Japanese NBA community and outlet, like that's not, it, it's, it's rough. Even I don't like watching the NBA.com shows. It's, it's so generic. It's so commercial. It's, it's, it's advertised. Like it, it's not real. It's not an educational experience for uh, NBA fans. And I want to give them something because they really have a very, very limited, uh, limited area that they can go to. How do you see it as
1: an opportunity then to be, you know, obviously you don't work for the NBA per se, but you love the mm-hmm. game of basketball. You have journalistic background. You, you know how to translate this. Um, and being an American, a black American, a big black American, I mean, all these things, mm-hmm. there is a, you know, there's a certain cultural part that goes along with it. They see you and they see basketball in some ways. You know, what do you want to do in that regard to kind of try to spread the gospel of the game?
0: Well, what I want to do is be able to give them an area to to, to connect in, whether it's me going on to radio shows, because they they don't have anyone to talk to. Like, there's Mm -hmm. not there's not just that many Japanese people interested that That aren't hardcore fans to go through. There's not anyone to kind of bridge that gap and say, hey, to get a casual, to get someone to become a casual fan and then to become a hardcore fan. So I can get that going through if I can get this language down, if I can get this language down and I can communicate with people and help them understand the game because there's a lot of misunderstandings on who the players are. It's hard to get into a new sport. I like rugby a whole lot, but it's really hard to find out which team I like, which players I like, Who you know, what what what's the history behind this? And there aren't any places that people here can go to to figure out that information, to figure out who they like and what they want other than NBA.com that's just telling them, hey, here's Steph and here's LeBron and here's Rui. This is the people that you like. So they say, mm, that's the people I like. And they don't know what they're watching.
1: Yeah. If you're a casual of anything, I I do think you get intimidated early on because you, if you don't know the rules, you don't understand the action of a game. If you don't understand the nuance, you don't really know what to look for. And if I'm not translating that for you on an easy basis, if I'm assuming, and I think that's where NBA.com is at a certain level of assumption of what you know about basketball, yeah. uh, you, you have to. Uh, take it to a simpler level, like you said. Make that first connection with somebody to say, "This is why you should like basketball." And if and you don't like that can,
0: <laughs> someone that can also bridge the gap between cultures as well, because yeah. I've watched some of the Japanese NBA shows, and it's very there's nothing in there. It's they don't say anything. It's it's it, there. It's just literally just a show for the sake of it being a show, and it's a lot of Japanese culture that's in it as well. As far as you 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 know. It's hard to talk down about this or just propping up anybody, This, but it, there's there's no real information. There's no analysts in it because they don't want to uh, offend or check any other players or come off disrespectful to the other to Japanese culture. Meanwhile, me as a foreigner, if I'm speaking Japanese, I can do that because I, I don't adhere to the Japanese cultural standards, which is what's made this such an easy transition for me. I love Japan. They're locally for Japanese people. They're they're under a lot of pressure. But for me, I'm still under American standards. So I can speak more direct. Uh, tell you what's good, what's because that's that's a tough thing in Japan for other Japanese people. Say oh, oh, uh, go out here and and tell tell them that so and so had a bad game. Uh, how do I tell them that he's not that good right now? Going through so they're really heavily sugarcoated. I can just I can put that directly. if I can get that language down. So just bridging that gap for them and getting them some honest, like I, I have a really good connection with the community here. Every Sunday I go play basketball. And nobody's at the park is full, but nobody's on the court. So, <laughs> <laughs> the park is completely full, but nobody's on the park uh, on the court. And then I go there and I, I start laying up, and then everybody just circles around. <laughs> like still, nobody's getting on the court with me, but they just all watching. And then you make a shot, and you just hear. <laughs> <this little dog. laughs> <laughs> these guff claps and it just makes you laugh like they they just like they're interested they want to they want to know about it they're interested but it's it's it's, it's tough foreign. to get into it's it's foreign it's really tough to get into like i love sumo i i couldn't get into sumo in america it was too hard for me to figure out the rules the logistics and the history of the people i had to come over here learn japan learn some japanese and learn the culture and learn a lot of stuff to get into sumo
1: It's an immersion, you know, essentially a cultural immersion. And that's what we have to do more and more of because I think you're right. The game, we know the game is going to continue to grow. We know what the NBA wants to do. But I was having that conversation with somebody that the NBA has to start focusing as much on what's good for the NBA as it does for the game of basketball. And, like, Mm -hmm. if you're going to be the standard bearer, more so
0: than FIBA, NBA is the the, the body that carries basketball. And that's their goal. That's why I'm so shocked at how bad they are here. They are horrible here. Like, as far as what they should be with the amount of money that they have and the amount of resources that they have, the NBA should not be an unknown product in any part of the world. Like, how they this bad at marketing themselves and giving people a, a, an, an avenue to become fans, whether it's casual or serious fans? It, it makes no sense for them to be this bad in this area for this market of Japan. Because something I will tell you about this, if you get Japan as a market, it's not as many people as China. But if you get Japan as a market, their fans are super loyal. They are, their brand loyalty here is ridiculous. It and the is economy insane. is much different yes yes they yes. are willing to spend <laughs> and to will. be involved with things i don't get why the resources aren't being put i really don't when i was trying to work with the nba I, I interviewed with a couple of teams and again some some academic things i was lacking in because i got my two years but i dropped out for my bachelor's to move to japan for my first time mm-hmm. and then that was like mm, we like we like the photos we like the interviews we like this but you're missing that but if you want to get a job in the NBA, their one tip, learn Chinese, learn Japanese. That was their tips, because that's what they were saying, the way they want the market to go. That was about 10, uh, not 10 years ago, eight years ago. they still bad in this market. Mm-hmm. It was eight years since they told me that was the focus. Well, <laughs> the
1: NBA has, its, has a number of issues on its plate. Um, and so do our home team, New Orleans Pelicans. You uh, survived the 31 (laughs) and 41 season. Um, My thought, and I've said this repeatedly, is that this season was full of individual successes um, and some very important development. But overall, I don't see any way in which you could say only having one more win than the year before Given the fact that you had Zion Williamson for 80% of the season, that you had Brandon Inger for 80% of the season, that your your starting lineup was mostly intact for the for the Lions share this year.
0: A one-win improvement is a disappointment. As far as the record, that is a that was a complete The, the goal of playoffs and record, that was a complete failure that they had going out through. But I will say they got a lot of great information throughout this season. Like they got some invaluable information, and that's where I do counters a win. Figuring out that, oh my god, Jackson Hayes looks like he can develop into something serious. Uh, figuring out that, oh, Zion, we can run this entirely new flow with Zion that we didn't even think of before and figuring out that okay we got more information on Lonzo and what he'll bring and Josh Harden what he'll bring it took to compare for their off season as far as the win loss it was really disappointing especially because of the health like the, it was it was the healthiest season that i can remember since i've been covering a team up until the last 2 months but in that in those last 2 months yeah they were they were hunting for the play in spot but he, Before that play in became that problem, they should have been ahead of where they were. You shouldn't have been hunting for a play in spot when you were. So, record wise, I'm all that that was that was a clear 100% failure. But I won't say that the whole season was uh, a wash. Like, they got some really, really, really good information, especially on their young guys like Kyra, Naw, and all these other pieces that they think that can be future pieces or pieces to trade. That
1: becomes the biggest question because you don't, you can't keep everyone. And a lot of these guys come up for extensions at the exact same time and they will be expensive to retain. And then you talk about Alonzo ball, whether or not you plan on retaining him, you have to, you talk about Josh Hart, whether or not you plan on retaining him. Financially, this team is still under pressure you have the on-court pressures. You have pressure on David Griffin in the front office to make something work going into year three. Do you, is there a sense of? Do you think desperation is the word for year three? Should they approach it? That, I, not in the moves that they make. Like you don't want to make moves out of desperation,
0: but success you have to pursue it desperately. I think. No, with I'm you. with that. I'm absolutely with it. Yes, yes. You cannot. You cannot take your time. I've said it on in our spaces. Uh, in our spaces wraps up. Our spaces wrap ups. I do after games that I was doing in the uh, season off. That this team, in my opinion, they wasted their development. Take your time window. This was your year. There was a you had a bubble season and this season that you wasted your your where you can do experiments that you can. play a lot of young guys and develop or install instill a little bit of culture by pulling guys when they weren't meeting up to your expectations, you wasted that time. You can't go in, you can't go in slowly now. You can't go in slowly in year three of Zion. You got to go. You got to swing for the fences. You got to get actual talent on this team, like you just said uh, when you started it. That you can't keep the same roster. I hate when fans are like, "Oh, but he could. De- he could develop into this. He could develop into that. He could." You gonna waste Zion's? You gonna you gonna lose Zion with a bunch of maybes with a probably. You're gonna lose Zion with a bunch of probabilities for another for a bunch of other 19 and 20 year olds. And that's not a risk that you want to take. So, no, you got to get real NBA talent around them. You got to get real players, you got to get serious players, and you got to get guys that'll help instill the culture. And the same thing with the staff. Like there, there's no there's no reason that you should be wasting time or taking time or thinking that, oh, we can add more developmental pieces. This team is already, they're babies. Bro, this whole team is. Ba- this is basically sixty percent of the team is basically a a, a college team. They're basic. If this was the nineties, they would have still been in college. Like the, the kids. They still they're still developing so much. So much. And you know how many resources it takes to develop these guys, especially when they have this many holes in their game. Like they the have a really them? high. Yeah, and they have a really high ceiling. Don't get me wrong. Like. Jax has the highest ceiling, in my opinion, of all the young guys. So that's that's the one that's the piece that you should be clinching the tightest. But like, it takes so 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 much to develop a person. You can't have oh, you only have uh, about what six or seven lead trainers. You can't have all of them going through and say, okay, you you work seven hours with him, seven hours with him, seven hours with him. So there's only twenty four hours in a day, and they're not working overtime for free. Like, come on, man, like, you, you you, can't keep just developing nonstop. You wasted your two development years. You got to get guys that don't need to develop anymore. When you look at the young teams
1: around the league that did make the postseason, they have achieved that balance of young players and veterans. And the Pelicans have consistently failed in identifying the right veterans, whether it's been under David Griffin, or you could go back to, to Dell, um, and and we, we don't have to debate the reasons. I don't. You know that's not important. The the importance here is the outcome. And for two straight seasons, David Griffin, through his own admission, has said that he has not
0: built correct rosters for his two coaches. Those bad veterans, and also the the other teams in the playoffs, and other teams that are succeeding also have young guys that don't need to develop as much, or they also, or they already have a foundation on their game where they can like. They can hold on to this foundation. I can be a serviceable, serviceable player with this foundation and improve in the other areas. That's fine. You, we can play you while you're still learning these other things because what you know is what you know. But some of our players, they're still learning to walk. Yeah. Like, you, don't get me wrong. Ceiling is high. Ceiling is through the roof, and other teams see that. But the but floor you is really to-
1: low too because they don't have the rudimentary skills. The floor
0: is low if you can't if you can't get to that ceiling. Mm-hmm. Like, you, yes, you you have a really high ceiling, but do you have the the time, the resources, and the people and the manpower to get to that ceiling, anywhere near that ceiling, for all of these young guys? come on, man, get some actual talent on this team that's already proven or young guys that already have a deep foundation on what they are. We just learned what some of our young guys are. You We're look? still trying to figure out what, <laughs> what a lot of them are. We're still trying to figure it out. I
1: mean, let's take let's take Phoenix, for example. Phoenix was a team that that got hot during the bubble last year. But it was basically the same as the Pelicans record-wise.
0: Essentially mm-hmm. the same. Yeah, in bubble, I'm like, Cool. Unique you know, circumstance,
1: but you know, you, you, at the end of last season, they were yeah. essentially the same. You had a very young um, scoring star and Devin Booker, who was about the same age as Brandon Ingram. Those two are about the same though. Booker has had more opportunity, obviously um, yeah. to, to flourish and less injuries mm-hmm. to deal with. Um, you had a Deandre Ayton, who was a number one pick uh, two years ago. And so you had, and he missed a lot of that season as well with suspension. And you already
0: know what that big addition is.
1: And what they added two, <laughs> just two. Really, they just added two things because Bridge Bridges, also a very young player, a very, but like he's all have foundations. Year, but all have foundations, like you said. And what did they go and add? They added Jay Crowder, who is a role player of elite status. You know exactly what you're going to get from him on a night to night basis. You don't have to tell him his responsibilities. And then you add Chris Paul, who
0: even at 36. Before we talk about Chris mm-hmm. on Jay, another important even you can get other guys that are consistent. We we got role players that are consistent, but Jay don't. Can I curse on here? Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I curse. Jay, yeah, okay, cool. Because Jay don't take no shit. Like no. for real. Like that is what we need. We got a lot of. Oh man, that is Baby. that is one when thing. You that say babies, they're me. soft like babies. That is one thing that irks me to the, to my core. And I don't think Zion is in that core. Cause I think Zion is like, nah, I want, he has that, like that mentality of like, oh, I want to win, win, which is what I love, but also worries me. Cause if you take your time for people like that, they're like, I'm a, I want to win more than anything. You're not going to stop me from winning. So if you waste your time with people like that, they going to go, they're going to find somewhere that, that they can win. So Jay brings toughness. He brings accountability and that helps establish culture. And this team has no culture as far as locker room culture, on court culture, no expectations. You have to you have to get culture. You have to have accountability to make culture is what I should say. You need accountability to create culture. You need when guys are are playing bad for somebody to say, hey, we expect more from you. If you're not if you're not producing to the level that we think you can and the next guy up is ready guess what some minutes are coming down some minutes are going up that we need that we need to establish culture we need those tough guys like that's why I love James Johnson <laughs> we got we got one guy that's that's, that's good with that like I, I can't front I love James James is the one guy you want, won't fight on his team the only one yeah that that lack of intensity
1: um, that lack of edge. Like I, I, when people, when David Griffith talked about, we're going to kick people's asses and won't bow down and all this stuff. And nobody's going to pump the new Orleans Pelicans well then that you have to walk that walk. You know what I'm saying? And, and I don't think teams have ever still right now. I don't think there's a single
0: team that fears the new Orleans Pelicans. And Man, when I heard that, we're going to kick your ass. I was like, this is an advertisement. This is, this is me watching, this is me watching a commercial. This is, this is, this is McDonald's saying they have the best food in the world. This is, this is like, Oh, this is Toyota saying it's the fastest car. Like it's advertisement, man. You you really think that they're going to come out? Just, just, just look at the rock. I know fans are like, Oh, they're saying we're going to do this. So that's the expectation that we're going to like, just look at it. Just look at it. Like, Just look at what the roster is and make a quick thought for yourself. If you buy a t-shirt and they say, this is the prettiest t-shirt in the world and you put it on and everybody like, bro, that shit ugly. Like, Hey, you just fell for the marketing trap. That's it. And you fell for it again. When it comes to, when it came to basketball, Like, you got to be able to discern from marketing and what's when something is actually of evidence that, it can be a move that can be made. And that we going to beat people's ass with just some hype talk Get the fans rah-rah shit. Like, I don't care about that because you,
1: like you say, you look at these guys, if you put them in a lineup and you say, who's the toughest dude on this team before James Johnson got there? <laughs> I was, was going to say, it's James Johnson and the a of like – Like, I mean, even with Zion, <laughs> said... it feels like you're waiting for that slow burn to happen. You know what I mean? Like – there's something inside of him. We we know that there's something inside. Of him. We know he's a competitor, mm-hmm. but it hasn't gotten to that point where he's gone Hulk mode, where it's just fuck the world. I'm destroying anyone and everything in my path. He hasn't yeah. gotten to that part of his game yet. And I think that comes for some of it. Like said, I'm not worried about his competitiveness. hmm. But I'm Which is for that, great to like. That's that a great blossom. thing to not
0: have to worry about. Yes, and I think that's going to come since the, those things aren't like they aren't disconnected. So they're very, very, they're very connected. Uh, so I think that without a doubt, it's going to come because he's been like dominant. The, this year was a dominant sophomore year for this dude, and he's just been kicking ass. No, no, at any time he he touches the ball. So as far as I think he's showing it on court, but if you're talking about like in the locker room, that's that's where it's like I think on the floor, like with his teammates during action. Yeah, yeah, it's like like with when I say with the locker room, I just mean like with the Pelicans within themselves because he's kicking the opponents' asses, but then when other guys are you know lack of day school, then they, then he just like oh, what can I do? That area, I, I kind of feel like he's like, oh, I'm too young to do this. Da, da, da. I think he needs the green light, and he needs to learn how to be that. I wish we had, like like you said, for the Suns, they added Jay and Chris Paul. Chris Paul is that what you just described. Chris Paul is the top level of that, like, I'm going to chew you out. <laughs> I'm going to get you. you going to adhere to these standards that I set. There, I don't think there's a player that had more expectations like that logically than Chris Paul in history. I think Chris Paul is the number one guy for that. Is when it comes to like leadership for your own team accountability. So I think Zion wants to be that, but he has to learn. I'm not sure who's he going to learn it from. It would be coaching. I yeah, mean, there's no one on the
1: roster to teach him how to be a leader. And and you Sp- look at the
0: Sam Van Gundy's more accountable than Gentry, but still not enough.
1: Like, I mean, where do you where do you learn that in this group? I'm, you look at this group and you say. There's not a single person on this, this team today who's won anything ever at any level, really. Like, well, I ain't count about high school, but I mean none of these guys won anything in college. None of these guys won anything have won anything in the NBA. Most of them ain't even been to the playoffs yet.
0: I don't even care if you won anything in, in college or the NBA, but did you at least work? Yeah, did you, you know what I'm saying? Like that's what room? I mean. Yeah, is that level, of, that. Yeah. that level of that level
1: of adversity that comes. And we've had this my... conversation with assistants before when they talk about so many of the players today have not had to deal with the adversity of basketball.
0: You've They've been had... a phenom since you were like seven years old.
1: <laughs> and you played on the, the easiest, a, not, you know, you played on the best AAU yeah. team. You played on the best high school team. And then you go to the best college for one year
0: and you hop off and And it's a lot different when you meet a lot of people that's the same size but the same or not even the same you're bigger and better than you you're beating up people that you were bigger and better than and the tables turn real fast when you get to the nba hell there's a lot of young players that were kicking ass in college and high school that'll go overseas and get their ass whipped. yep
1: And, and it's a cultural it is really a cultural thing and it's i think the 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 struggle for American basketball in general right now is you've made it too easy at the youth part of it. And then when they get to the professional level, the development is behind mentally. They may be skill wise. You know, we hear this every broadcast, the level of skill has never been higher in the NBA. Sure. Fine. It is. Athletically is the highest guys can do more than they've ever done, but the actual practicum, of understanding how to play the game of basketball and to compete, the process of competing is something that I think is a struggle on a night-in and night-out basis in the league. And a lot starting- of
0: people, a lot of people, gonna be mad when they um when they figure out if they really like like we've talked to players and we talked to coaches and we talked to a lot of people when they figure out that they players really don't care about winning. They really don't care about these games they really don't care as much like they want to get their check and get their numbers and get their stuff how selfish they favorite players really are oh buddy them, like we can't we can't talk about it how we want to but like a, a lot of fans gonna be real mad when they figure out about they about their own players and it's it's i don't think it's necessarily just because like they've they went one and done either you're in personality or not but it, it, it damn sure helps and i i think honestly what do you get give a lot of young kids you can have a whole team of one and done for a team at that point i'm kind of pointing looking at that staff and that coaching staff just like yo you letting these kids want to ramp it like this you taking this from them you you, t- you letting them talk to you how they however they want you letting them go around however they want you letting them go party after lot law- Not letting them go party after losses. They're adults. They can do whatever they want. But you better hold them accountable for it.
1: Absolutely. That that part of it within the Pelicans building, there seems to be a disconnect between what is being sold, what you see on the court, and also the relationship between the front office, the coach, and the team why does that continue to be so dysfunctional in your in your opinion
0: the relationship between basically everyone yes uh, honestly because no culture I think it still all comes down to culture nobody knows what to what to expect from each other nobody knows what to expect because they don't have any accountability or culture nobody's saying that oh we don't we don't in this in this organization, you can't, we don't take any of that that shit-talking laziness. Like, if you were with the Spurs and under pop, that, that has an extreme culture. We know, no matter what, top to bottom of the roster, you're not going to be a lazy ass. You're not going to be out over here giving half-ass, or you're getting pulled out, or you get, you're not going to be talking back and, and arguing back about what we're doing. Like We have that culture instilled. In New Orleans, it's kind of random. It's just a bunch of dudes playing basketball. Like, that's it. It really feels like it's just a bunch of dudes, a bunch of friends playing basketball. And they don't always play like friends. No. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Like, there's nah. a, Sometimes they play like
1: some dudes that just showed up in the gym yeah. for open run, and, you know, they, they realize, oh, this dude can do this. But when it comes time to make decisions, they are – you know, and Griff talks about basketball IQ being a severe need for this team. Well, Yeah. But that's going to be a need when you have decided to open a daycare center.
0: I, I was and all your say, kids are under twenty-three. That is, years it old. goes hand in hand when everybody and everybody's like. there have been a lot of trade, uh, you know, hypothetical trades going around, and every single one that I see that's involving the picks, they're like, "No, that's too much. We need all the picks." Da, 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 da. Like, we already have like seven young kids on this team. Like, we need more. What if the the the, the what if. Uh, mindset that that people have for these like for for these kids that are in college and, and the young 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 guys just because it's potential potential doesn't mean a damn thing unless it could be realized
1: no get you fired it gets more coaches fired than anything else and in today's nba mm-hmm. there is no seven eight nine year plan You can't do it that way anymore. It has to be a four-year plan at the longest to get yourself into position to win, into legit position, and we've seen it. Where were we – the year the Pelicans – the last year the Pelicans made the playoffs. Remember, Denver made it on the last game of the season. Remember that? Mm -hmm. They made the last game of the season, and they had missed the playoffs probably like the three or four years prior to that. And now look where they are. Now look where the Nuggets are in that amount of space. It wasn't that long ago when the Jazz weren't in the playoffs. It really wasn't that long ago. They put the pieces together, and what did they do? It's the same mix. Every team that gets – it's not about the market size. It's a very simple but complicated formula. You got to find a couple of young players, and then you got to trade for veterans. It's what the Warriors did. They lucked out with Steph and Dre and Clay. And then they go out and get Andre Iguodala, and then you go out and get these other parts before. I, I don't want
0: it to be just just veterans, though. Veterans or young guys with foundation, yes, but talent. You yes. get talent, Role talent, is the bottom talent line.
1: Who understand their roles can contribute every night. You have to have ten of those guys on your roster.
0: Ten of them—a clear, a defined, just a guy that is defined. Like mm-hmm. I know what I'm getting from you. Like we just figured out that we're just figuring out. Okay, I think I know what Nau can be. We just figured out. Okay, I think Kyra can be this. We we I think we got a decent spot for for Alonzo. But we we've we've been we've been we've had so many guys where we were just like, okay, he's okay at basketball, but what does he do? Like we had a lot of guys like that. Like. He gets decent stat lines, but in what area does he really specialize in?
1: They just have guys that go out there and other. play
0: basketball. Yeah. They
1: haven't built a team that complements each
0: other. Like you said, it's just guys.
1: Like You can't just assemble talent. You have to build a basketball team. And this doesn't feel, and it's not felt in the last three years like a basketball team. It just feels like a collection of players. And as going to this offseason with the Pelicans, How important do you think it is to retain Alonzo Ball? Or when you have a situation like with the Steven Adams and his contract, when you could get similar production maybe from your Willie Hernan Gomez, from Jackson Hayes, if you're really trying to invest in Jax, then you have to be able to play him 20 minutes a night next year. You have to, in my opinion. What do you do to get – that to that next level when I don't think you could say if you're by the time you get to winning I don't think Steven Adams is part of his team I don't think Eric Leto is part of his team so why
0: hold on to them today so one thing I do for for the Jax part I'm I'm all in you obviously you know how I am development 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 mm-hmm. development but for Jax Jax has had to go Above and beyond every single step that he's been in the league. He had to start his rookie year because of Favor's injury. He had to mm-hmm. start, he had to play major minutes the following year because of, of situations and and uh and Adams injury. Like he needs at least one. Again, Jack's super talented. You know Jack's his biggest thing is IQ. And you need you need a little bit of time on the court. It's great for for development and learning. You also need a little bit of time watching the game. So uh, I'm not going to put solely on 20 minutes going through uh, for, for Jax, but he's going he's gonna to need to play and he needs to learn. It's going to be a big growth year for him. That's the main thing is growth and not just physical, like mental growth for that man, mental growth and understanding. He's still super raw. Like he's he's a raw diamond right now. Super raw, you, know, you got to dust a lot of stuff off and, and shape it up. But there's a diamond in there somewhere. As far as uh, the pieces like – Bledsoe and Adams uh I agree that like it's especially with Bledsoe I don't think I need to even say anything <laughs> about that uh, everybody else is shaking their head that's listening to it I like mm-hmm. that's a that's a mutual understanding uh with Stephen Adams it's it's enough that you can get I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say going through Willie because Willie's right in there with that group I, I'm gonna put <laughs> with 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 Steven Adams and Willie mm. like no matter what, that, those are, those are areas that you can, you can find elsewhere if need be. So if a deal is popping up or you need to free up space, um, then sure, move them. But I, I wouldn't move atoms for the sake of moving them. Right. But if, you, if you're you getting something, you know, and that's a, uh, Stephen Adams is never going to be the tipping point of a trade. I'm going to say that Stephen Adams is ever, if there, no team is ever like I'm not going to get you this player unless you throw in Stephen Adams. That's never going to be said. But if it's a sweetener that you just want to toss in to, to make it work, go ahead. Lonzo's situation is a very confusing one for me because he is that rough. Like he should he should have some things in his game down that he doesn't, but the parts that he exceeds in he does pretty damn well like obviously his outlet passing is big and his his defense in the lanes and his three-point shooting is well well improved but as far as i need to know that lonzo's buying in to whatever we need him to do and whatever we need him to be being that's like I can't even say switch arm and night, but just being what we need. We need you to be a full-on-team player. Cause a lot of nights, you're not gonna be the number one. You're gonna be a you're not gonna be a point guard. You're gonna be a two. Some nights you're gonna mainly be a corner shooter. Some nights we're gonna need you to mainly be an outletter. Some nights uh, Zion is gonna be running the point. Some nights, not Bledsoe, but whoever the <laughs> whoever the other guard is is gonna be running the point. Sometimes it's gonna be Noss. Sometimes it's gonna be Kyra. And you you gotta you gotta be able to, to adjust. For the amount of money, i got to see what the amount of money he commands because his main skills that I'm paying for are outlet passing. Um, Three-point shooting. Three-point shooting and mainly lane defense. His on-ball defense, I think, is a tad bit overrated. Oh, but I, I agree his, with you there. Yes. His lane defense, I haven't seen – I I almost have it on Drew's level with lane. Like and his recovery close.
1: ability to get blocks on guards. Yes.
0: Yeah. It's it, like, that is that, exceptional. That's what I'm paying for. So I gotta see what the other market what what the my other options are that I can move that money going through. Oh, okay. There's another guard that can't do that, but this other guard can drive. This other guard can create in a half court and this other guard can do some things that Lonzo probably can't. So it's it's that balance between Lonzo. Lonzo's uh, situation is, is always tricky, but First thing first, I need to know he's buying in to whatever I want him to do. But that how important is his relationship
1: with Zion? If they if if Zion goes to Griffin and <laughs> says, I want
0: Zoe, what do you do? I don't think that's gonna happen going through like and Winning cures everything. True. Like Absolutely. if they become a better basketball team because I got rid of Lonzo and because we have this other option, Zion's gonna be like, Oh, I was wrong. oh yeah. You know like he's work. getting better looks. But it better work. It better not be a downgrade. Right. It better not go down. <laughs> that is the other. That's the thing. I think if it's even on par, be like, oh, all right, cool. this a good, good. for the other side. I see it. We the, the 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 front office is doing shakeups. The the front office is is trying to is trying to get me get me things that are going through. It better not be a downgrade, and it better be someone that can help me. It doesn't have to be the the point guard of the future, but it it, it can't be less. You can't have something bomb. You can't have another Eric Bledsoe situation.
1: Right. Right,
0: because I mean, you I think can't we all afford that.
1: we all assumed. Look, I, I'm gonna I'm blunt. When they when they got Bledsoe, I said there was gonna be a failure because I knew he didn't want to come. We've seen him. This is a moody dude, and yeah. you don't go from being on one of the best teams in the NBA to being on one of the worst and think that that's okay at this stage in your career. You're getting farther away from what your goal is, and that's to be a champion, and then and also to get a certain level of recognition. You're not. He wasn't gonna get that here. That just ain't gonna happen. But to me, the two players that I had the biggest change of opinion on this year, Josh Hart, Mm -hmm. because of Najee Marshall, and Brandon Ingram, because of the moment earlier Mm -hmm. in the season when he said, I'm going to take the responsibility on, I'm going to kill everybody in front of me, and I'm going to play with this level of intensity. And I never saw it.
0: Okay, I said I was going – let me let me hear your Josh Hart part first, though, because the, the, the Josh hart Najee relationship is very important for the Pelicans. Because I
1: look at Najee, Najee's taller, younger, more athletic. I think he can develop the three-point shot, and Josh's three-point shot isn't enough for me to say I have to have it. It's, it's only inconsistent.
0: Like a, it's super inconsistent.
1: Josh is not a great driver. Josh's best abilities are in the open court, and I think Najee can do those things. And as the front court of the Pelicans improves, his need for rebounding decreases. But I've also seen Najee pull down double-digit boards. So I think that you can replace I, – I'm I, uh, Josh is a is a luxury item for me this offseason because his price is much like Lonzo's. I have a hard number in my mind if I'm the Pelicans when it comes to Josh Hart and because also he's been injured a number of times in his career. He's also at his ceiling. He's not going to get any better than what we've seen. This is it.
0: So the I mean, only I think, way he would get better if somehow that three point shot miraculously becomes consistent out of nowhere, like that's that's your. you have to get up to forty percent. Yeah, that'd be like your only thing, and I'm like, eh, that ain't likely. Because he's I, not, I, he's I, not really quick
1: enough to defend twos, and he's certainly not quick and long enough to defend threes. Um, he's an effort guy, and that's always appreciated. But I think you can get all those same things for one million dollars with Najee.
0: I, yeah, no, I'm absolutely with you on that. And it's uh like his best his best thing is the transition finishing. Like he's a really good transition finisher and a good rebounder. But hey, uh yo, yeah, we got Zaya who's also pretty good at transition <laughs> finishing. We got a couple of guys that are pretty good at finishing the transition. Uh if you force the ball into Josh Hart, I think that the defense will be okay. With whatever they with, whatever they get, like, but I really I do like his transition finishing, but I'm not I'm not like handcuffing myself to you for that when I already kind of have that covered on his team. Again, like that's more. Of, it's nice to have a lot of good transition finishers, but I'm not paying you all this extra money for something I already got. I can get you know, everything out of him.
1: TV. You give me Winion and Naji together, I can get everything that I get out of
0: Josh Hart. Yeah, pretty pretty much. I mean, honestly. I think you can just straight up do it with just Najee. <laughs> I mean, you know, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, if, if yeah, you want to like, really if, be,
1: because we want to be sure about, about it. Oh, yeah. imagine if we had Najee and Hart at the same time. Well, they never would
0: have played at the same time. We never would. They're gonna found be out. getting in, the, in some. They're gonna be getting in each other way. Yeah. <laughs> Not stop. If They play together. They're gonna be getting in each other way stop.
1: But Bi, Bi was a disappointment to me this year. I know his stats say the same. That people yes. talk about the spacing issues. And all that, But it was more than that with Bi. It wasn't just the spacing. It was the decision-making at times. And it's still two straight years that we have not seen any intensity from him on defense. We don't see moments where he says, I'm going to take on the guy who, who's scoring for the other team. That's my job. I'm the longest athletic defender that we have on the perimeter. And we don't see him with that kind of, I'm going to change the game with that. Three or four possessions, let me lock in and change the game with that. And I think... That alone, you can't win in the NBA if your premier players are not committed on the defensive end. And we know Zion is not a great defender at this point, but we saw improvement he from improved
0: Yeah, we saw a huge, a night and day improvement.
1: We like, have not can, I, seen improvement you know, in two years from Brandon on the defensive end.
0: I've given up on the, uh, the Brandon <laughs> of defense. I'm not gonna lie. that That is, I'm completely like, this, that is what he is. What he is on defense is what he is. And I'm like, cool. But, and- if you don't, if he, if he doesn't become one fine, but you gotta be, a, you gotta kill. You gotta kill on offense. He hasn't been enough of a killer for me on offense to, to, to nullify that. I, I always think that guys for him to be maximized, that he needs more. He needs something else besides scoring to, to be elite level or just be an absolute, like be like you saw Trey young, like be that kind of scorer. Like, that's just like, I'm unstoppable. But realistically, besides just being Michael Jordan out of nowhere, get something else to your game, whether it's rebounding or shot blocking or lane deflection. I don't think that he is going to be a great on-ball defender in any universe, but he should get like three or four deflections a game just by having his arms up. Like his arms are always down. He got a wingspan the size of Dwight Howard. His feet are always flat, too. His feet are constantly flat. Even if he don't, even if he ain't, your arms up, man. Just keep your arms up. Just keep your arms up and spread your hands. And somebody's going to throw a pass at your hands at least three times a game. You play enough minutes where that's going to happen at least three times a game. And I, I'm, I'm with you on the same boat. This season was really, really uh, disappointing for me for B.I. I'm like, if, from his improvement that he had last year, and it seems like he didn't go down, but it just stagnated. Like, he didn't improve anything. He didn't improve anything. He didn't get better in the clutch. He didn't become a better rebounder. He didn't. He just. He was. all right. He is like. He is what he is. Situation. And we we do need more out of that, especially if you're planning on him being the future. Like I doubt he cap, but he if he's like this continuously, it's, it's nasty. It's, it's not it's not a bright future for Pelicans. No, we're getting too deep
1: in his career now to say that he's developmental he can't be that at year
0: six he has to yes. start showing you what he is You man wouldn't i give you a max contract you, you talking about i'm still developmental no no bro on, it's time for you get to start that. getting
1: some all-star like real legit like not not numbers all-star impact all-star that's mm-hmm. and i think that's what people will look at numbers and say look at all these guys this year with all these great numbers how do you pick I look at impact, and there were too many times where BI refuses to impact the game. Man, look, Bill wasn't an All
0: Star this year, but you'll take that Bill impact. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't I care about that damn All Star right now. Just give me that real impact. Impact. Me That's me that what impact. I want. Is I don't, I, I don't care about the the the, the accolades. Give me give me what the team needs, and give me the give me it in opportune moments. One of the things I would
1: like to see BI do, and I want to get your thoughts on this. I have often thought that he should – that he likes the ball too much as a scorer. The the best – you know, we all, the people started comparing him to Kevin Durant when he first came out and stuff. But when you watch Durant, Durant is efficient with his dribble. He don't dribble a lot. It's it, I, One, two, bang. One, two, bang. I think he should get – he needs to get less dependent on his dribble. And the other part
0: is he does not move ain't without ain't the ball. His dribble not even that good. No, it's the like, ter- he does not have a tight is- handle. His yeah, that's the thing. His dribble is so wide. And again, for the same reason, like he he uses his wingspan should be an advantage on offense. And then he's he's hurting himself on uh excuse me, his wingspan should be an advantage on defense, but he's hurting himself on offense with this super wide handle. It's gotten a little tighter since since two years ago, but it as it should, but it's still way too 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 loose. Like it used to be an instant turnover every time. Now it's a turnover most of the time. Yes. That <laughs> crossover I, is terrible. It is yeah, it's, like you you feel like it's a uh, Kyle going
1: up against um, your boy and uh, above the rim. You know it's like you can't you can't go get that weak ass
0: crossover fast. That crossover is so wide and slow. Like you it's see not, teams just K, waiting. Their hands are waiting. KD's for it. crossover is great because he can still even if he does bring it wide, it's quick and he has full control every time.
1: And his release you, point is so. KD gets it to his release point so fast, and Ingram's is not as fast there's a little bit more time that it takes to get there. I, I was surprised that he didn't add more mid mid post to his game too, because, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's an area for, again, if that's you're going seven, group. you know, take quick his, catches, turns over your shoulder and shoot that fadeaway jump. Butter.
0: Yeah, that's the bread and butter, right? There. The, the That mid post for BI right, that is where he can, again, if he wants to be that elite, elite scorer um, to make it worth the money, that mid post would be where it is. If you, if he wasn't gonna be, and this is what he is on defense, and this is what he is as far as uh some areas of his offense like handles. Um, I will say he has improved with passing. Uh yes. his passing has gotten a little bit better, but still, we need more improvement from our number two guy and our max player. Um, but that mid post would be the area if you're looking to be just a solely I don't know, an offensive that no one can stop me who's stopping bi in the mid post and what is passing and improving who's doubling in the mid post and then if
1: he gets it gets to the level of conditioning where you're able to run off the screens more get the pass pump mm-hmm. make one dribble and shoot
0: Pump he's long enough to where you only need one dribble yeah, that's what i'm saying one, he, dribble, and big. Or one dribble, dribble and shoot one dribble
1: and go to the rim. Doubles. You gotta, But he doesn't do that enough, and I think that's why you see in fourth quarters his game becomes so stagnant. Why his shooting percentages drop off a cliff in the fourth quarter is because he becomes – and all of his shots come from the same spot on the court late in games. Mm. They're all from that left side above the three-point line. He will catch the ball seven, eight feet beyond the three-point line and run screen and roll, which makes no sense to me because if I'm on defense, fine, run that from there. Because I'm just going gonna, under. Under
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: gonna go, go under it and find be like, feet behind the line.
0: But like, you like you know, you make that shot t- you know, hats off. congrats. like, hey, good shot. Nice, you just give it to him. But I'll take my chances.
1: Yep. Yep. And and whoever the role man is ain't getting to the spot <laughs> from that far yeah. away. And it it just it just he seems to rely on that too much. And and I wonder if part of that this year was. He got used to the freedom of not playing with
0: Zion. And I'm not saying they have a bad relationship. No, no, no. But you say I, – I know exactly what you mean going through Tudor. Like, there's not mm-hmm. a bad relationship. But I was in full control of this offense. The offense revolved around me. I was the focal point.
1: Now it's I got to adjust
0: to where Zion. Zion's in the post. So, okay, you know, he's the first option over there. If he's at the elbow. Then I can't take any other elbow so I can work outside or i gotta try to reverse to the other side yeah like that kind of it used to go around you like where's bi bi's in the corner all right let's all switch positions and work around what bi's position and now it's all about Zion, and it's, right. it's tough for them to adjust tell him to watch some
1: reggie miller and ray allen tapes really I'm, I'm dead serious if i if i was him that's what i'd be watching in off season moving getting into my spots Cause I, I had conversation, you know, we, we have talked, you know, again, we talked to Pelicans' assistants and I don't want to put nobody's names out there, no, no, but, but yeah. one of the things that, you know, I've talked to multiple of them mm-hmm. was about was that B I does not. The one thing about his offense is that he does not understand where his spots are. And when you talk about elite scores, whether you talk about Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, they know where their spots on the floor are. And when they need a bucket, if they're out of rhythm, I know where to get to, how to get to my spot and find my rhythm again.
0: I don't know what, is is it overconfidence? Is it arrogance? Is it this or that? But I kind of feel like in his head, he feels like every spot is my spot. And it's not. It's not. (laughs) Every guy's got about six or seven
1: spots on the floor where they really are good from. Mm -hmm. Where their shots are, that's their spot. And, and, you know, but Kobe would take that two drives to the right, and pull up at the free throw line extended.
0: Boom! We all know about Paul Pierce's elbow jumper. Every yep. time the Celtics got to a late game, we're like, "Oh, here comes that elbow jumper." Yep, we all knew it was coming.
1: You know, and it's if it's it, it's just there are certain players you know what that move is, but you can't stop it because that's their spot.
0: Right and now, they, for Bi in in late game, it's like you say the left wing late. It, even if it's not a pick and roll, a lot more likely to me is it's going to be an iso and I'm dribble, dribble, Mm -hmm. try to make something out of nothing and probably do a leaning uh, fall away jump shot, drifting off balance that's really hard and hope that he out-talents the the defense, which sometimes he does, a lot of times he didn't. Uh, It's a really inconsistent way to play basketball. For
1: Zion, going into year three, what do you need to see him develop offensively? Is it just really a matter of confidence in that mid-range jump shot? Because I don't think it's – I'm not looking to the day when Zion is shooting seven threes a game. That's not where I'm at at this point. I don't need that from Zion Williamson.
0: I will be fine with him taking a few more, though, but yeah.
1: Two or three a game? Cool. You know what I mean? But when you got the guy who's putting up 20-plus points in the paint every night,
0: they give you, you them twenty you, plus points. You, in the you're paint. doing a detriment when you take that away from yourself to say take some more threes. And yes. I love that. The thing I love about Z- Zion is so young, but he understands that. It's how many young dudes do you know that you got to tell them to take more threes. There's no young guy in the NBA that's saying, Hey, we need you to start taking more threes. It's everybody like dude, chill, relax, use your size, use this. Zion knows what he's good at. And he knows he's a he's a fine three point shooter, but he knows where he's dominant at. And I it's it's much easier to ramp a guy up to shoot more threes in my opinion, than to say, Oh, take less threes. It took us a real long time to get that step back from Lonzo to calm down. Yep. <laughs> it felt it felt like it felt like it's for like a, a whole, whole year nonstop. Just Lonzo relax on, on some of these threes. He made, what, what was it, a year or two years ago, he'd make one three and start taking up threes 3 another game. Like seven, eight oh. of them in a row. he <laughs> like, oh, I made one heat check. <laughs> like, no, you can't heat check after one three. <laughs> That's not what the term is for. No, and you, you yeah. are you're a set shooter. <laughs> you are not a dude who can just fling it. But yeah, like it's a lot easier to. It took, it was kind of hard to pull back a little bit, but Lonzo's found a good spot. And I think it's going to be easy to let Zion. Again, it's not like you're asking for a lot. Two, you know,
1: I honestly, I'm like,
0: one or two, hey, you're good. Again, don't let the defense off the hook. Get them points in the paint, but don't forget, it's okay for you to take them. Nobody's going to be mad. And we got a lot of good rebounders.
1: Right. As it comes in the flow of the offense, don't be scared of it. And the same with that, yeah. that, uh, that, um, if you're going to run pick and roll and Zion is not the initial ball a ball handler, then he has to be able to hit that little 15-footer and knock it down. And
0: I mean, I'm like, yo, we live with a lot of – we live with worst three-point shooters taking threes. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm, like, I'm not even complaining when Jack's take 3 i I'm like, cool, go ahead. Nice, corner three, good. I, I'm all right with Zion. Zion, we cool with you doing it too? I
1: think it, it, when we talk about the threes, and let's do this – we talk about the three-pointers this year, and everybody talking about how bad the Pelican shooters were. And, yes – They did not have enough shooters on the roster. But I think what isn't talked about enough is how the shots come. Because other teams that don't have good shooters shoot the ball like they – it's it's in a hot streak when they get to play the Pelicans because they get better looks. They run their offense and get better looks. They take smart People who are just
0: talking about just strictly the shooters are just looking at the numbers and probably not the game because – Like, look, just compare the actual shots. Look at those actual shots that they get. Are they assisted? Are they in a rhythm? Are they they shots where guys are just walking up the court and dribble, dribble? Oh, that's not open. That's not open. Look left and right and just just throw one up and hope that's all out of the flow. Or is it coming in the flow? Is it coming off curls? Is it set up? Is it spot up? Is it off of a good move that they actually work on? That's another thing. We have a lot of guys that will take threes and shots that – Hey, that's that's not really that's not really part of your game. That that's that spin shot ain't part of your game. That's that step back ain't part of your game yet. That's <laughs> <true>. Like, <laughs> yeah, like you practice that shot. Like Ky- Kyra had one to end off the season, a, a couple of games where where he was just like just launching some wild threes out there. Like that's not you can make threes, but not that three. Yeah, like. Just, just knowing who you are and what you get, like that's why the other team beats you, and also the fact that you know our perimeter defense is garbage. But that's a whole different monster. Going into this season, with
1: I, I don't, you know, people keep saying, "Well, Stan might be in trouble." I don't see that. I don't, I don't, I can't conceive a
0: world where the Pelicans have three coaches not in one, three years. Not, yeah, not, and not like again, the season wasn't that. Like the record wise, it wasn't fairly, like it wasn't like a oh sh- like. We need to we need to scrap everything kind of season. That's ridiculous. Not from a coaching perspective. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's that's ridiculous. You got to get a better player mix, and that's not on
1: stand. Yes. So yes. ultimately, let's let's finish then with the, the man of the hour, David Griffin. Mm-hmm. Two years in, considering, and and I have to constantly remind people of this. This was not you were not resuscitating the dead when you took over the Pelicans. What you had in pocket was the number one pick in Zion Williamson. You still had Anthony Davis as a trade chip. You had Drew Holiday. You had two more number ones. That's what you walked in the door with. And you already had
0: a system from Alvin Gentry that had him as one of the top offenses.
1: So (laughs) you were given gifts. Yeah. And we've already said that two years he said, I didn't put together the right rosters. Two years they've underachieved record-wise two years you have you have also had a communications problem not only with the public but also with your team it's starting to feel if david is sometimes i have to wonder is it about david griffin is his job about him writing the narrative of his story after what happened in cleveland and is he selling something that he doesn't own mm-hmm. You know, because that's what it feels like when I watch what's happening with this team, where are these other people who before that played for Griff, that worked with him, who are running to his aid and say the plan is going to work? I don't see that. I don't see players out here doing that. I don't see people saying believe in Griff. I don't see that that type of thing. And I think that even the performance of what happened when Zion got hurt, which a lot of people say, well, he needed to say – no, what he needed to say something, because that was a basketball play that Zion got hurt on. That was a basketball play. You're big, your hands are going – you and I both know. You're in the post, Mm -hmm. you're big, your hands get smashed a lot. You just get used to it. That was a basketball play. But if you want to talk about foul calls, why did you wait till after the man is gone for the rest of the year to start talking about it? Where were you month two of the season when Stan was already talking about it, when players were talking about it? Why do you wait and then say, well, I'm ready to take this $50,000 fine now when it didn't matter anymore because Zion ain't
0: playing the rest of the season. I got to say, I love the, when that whole situation was going on, I loved the little swing when swim Cash was on Twitter, <laughs> like subtle stuff tweets, but she didn't want to get the <laughs> like She wanted to say something like, Ooh, I love, like, ooh, oh, up, I love Swin Kat. so much. So, too, she was like, ah, oh, I want to say something too, but uh, 15 grand. That's a, that's a good bit of money. And they ain't going to call more files for it, Zion out. <laughs> it's just donating right, for no like reason. The- what do you think of him? What do you honestly, because it just the, as far as Griff as a whole, as far, as far as Griff as a whole, I don't think it's a selfish all about me story thing. I, I, I don't take him as that kind of person, but it's just the way that he handles the president role is um, like you, it's a miss. I, I, I don't I don't think he's selfish, but again, I don't buy what the dude sells a lot of the time. So it's just the same way, like a lot of, and cautiously, like I, I just know when to pick what's, what's salesman and what's not. And that's what I advise fans to do. Just like we spoke about earlier when he was saying, we're beating people as we're doing this, da, 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 da. recognize that that's a play to get y'all in. The Zion move, when Zion got hurt and talk about foul calls, recognize that's another play to back up the players even though it, it felt uh late or honestly meaningless as a whole it, it really didn't do anything <laughs> like it what they are go they, they're not gonna call fouls on the dude they're not gonna remember it next season they're not like it, it was it was just I mean I think I think I think some players will liked it liked it the fact that he talked uh about it but realistically like it does nothing. So that's really not a situation that I kind of pay any that's right in that situation where would beat my people's asses and this and da-da-da. Like I don't that's nothing. That's dust. Um with him rebuilding, I'm still like I, I do believe in the front office as a whole, as a team, because it's mm-hmm. not just griff. Um I do believe in Langdon. I do believe in Swin's input. I do believe in the The coaching staff input that they have. Mm -hmm. Uh the way that it operates still, it's hard to judge because there's they have done a really bad job with transparency. Especially now covering from overseas. I'm like, um like I'm like, I got no clue. It's it's completely random. I don't know what they're looking for, I don't know what they want to build, I don't know what their game plan is gonna be, I don't know what like. Honestly, I, I don't. I don't know, and I, I don't see a pattern to make a good prediction for it. It feels very random. We gonna see like go with the flow esque.
1: So, what would be good enough in your mind for next season? To me, it's if they're not a comfortable, comfortable playoff inclusion. If you're if you're eight, nine, 10, I think that's again that's a failure in year three mm-hmm. because with what we saw. Chris Paul made the playoffs in year three with the Pelicans. They made it to the second round. Anthony Davis made it to the playoffs in his third year. They lost to the Warriors in the first round. um, And as, as the eighth seed with this, with the way the West is and you figure how good teams will still be next year. um, To me, you can't just be 41 and 41 and say that's a successful
0: year. Uh, Again, record wise ain't really the, the only thing for me you have to you have to prove that you're you're set like the record wise there, there's a there's a there's a scenario that that i can have it going through but in all honestly was if they make the playoffs if it's if it's seven or eight i really don't care i'm not gonna lie like i said that when the grizzlies made made the, the play in spot and i'm like dog they got to they got an seed to get like busted up in a gentleman's suite what kind of experience do you get What 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 they learn from what they get, and I'm I'm like, what I care about more than the record, only for next year is proving that you're you have your game plan. You have to show me that you have these steps that you're that you're taking, even if you are 41 and 40 41. Show me, okay, the Zion system is in place these are our pieces and we only need this other piece that we can get in following free and see or moving these other things like i have to see that structure completely set like i, I gotta see okay cool so this is set this is set this is set zion uh, will be in will be finishing his third year and then all the moves will be coming into place going into his fourth year you should be set you should be set, set. Like, I can see exactly where this team is going and exactly what's going on. And I shouldn't say exactly because the job, the, it'd be horrible management by the whole staff if it was that predictable. Right. But I mean, screw. But you know exactly. The trajectory what I mean. should be clear. I, see the, I see the common sense. I see this. Yes. I see the sense. I see the, okay, this was improvements here. And now just have these areas and this guy's improving. Uh, and so forth and so on, like what we did see with Memphis from last year to this year. Yeah, pretty much.
1: They were not. Much. They didn't make a jump. They were not light years better for any number and of reasons.
0: It's the but, same thing. Like that. 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 They made that eight seed. I don't care about that eight seed, but I do really like that jump. That jump and how Triple J is looking when he came
1: back and John and Morant how, was able to show like, yeah. okay, legit, he can handle that. The moment. Yeah, he may not be ready to do all the things but he handled the playoff moment he understood he didn't back down from it and he was electric at times in in that moment and that's what i think you want to be able to see is can these guys handle that because what we've talked about as playoff races the last two years for the pelicans were not neither one of them ever to me felt like legitimate playoff races now the first year is because of the bubble everything was ruined by the time they got down there they, they would have had a chance before that but this year that chase for ten, it it I thought it was over in January. It didn't even feel right even if they to the made it,
0: even what if they what if they would have made the play in? What if they would have instead of the Grizzlies, it would have been. A I wouldn't have felt any better about. I'm, yeah, I'm like, so what? Yeah, I wouldn't have felt any but better. So what? Okay, yay! You made the play in and lost in five games. Like, so do you feel better about their future now that they they have a playoff appearance in five extra games? No, like no. There's there's way more important things than a late playoff seed. It's just like I think you remember we knew
1: and I, I think you and I talked about this before when the Pelicans did make the playoffs in 80s third year and got beat by the Warriors.
0: Mm-hmm. I knew
1: that team wasn't good enough to make it the next yeah, year. Like,
0: like all right, cool. That was fun. an accident. Remember, Katie missed games? like 30 games
1: that year and they beat Oklahoma City by a half of, like basically a, a tiebreaker.
0: What was the experience from that year, though? That was more than getting busted up by the Warriors was the was the uh, San Antonio game to get in. Yes, that was that had value. Yes. But getting busted up by the Warriors. That, what, what 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 you? Hey, congrats. What you learned? Steph Curry is one of the greatest. Congrats. We all knew yeah. <laughs> you just want to see the Pelicans get off the treadmill, man. That's all it is. It's
1: just get off the treadmill, and go somewhere. Either you gotta bottom this thing out. What a plan, gotta,
0: man! What a plan! It don't feel like the yeah. have had a plan of as far as building for forever. In a decade, it's just been a bunch of random players. It, it's it's been a decade, and it has random changed. players are not even talented players. No, no, it's it's it is the epitome of mediocrity. Yeah,
1: it is the epitome it's a, of it's mediocrity. a bad
0: place to be in because you're not bad enough now to to to. But you got you picks. Know, yeah, you, you got picks, and <laughs> you, you got picks, and you can't you can't really waste time to develop young people, but you're not good enough to get to, to go deep into the playoffs. Like you, you they're they're not. I'm not saying they're in a bad situation, but being stuck in this it, as limbo, this will be a bad place to be in limbo. You got to handle it right. You, it's very yeah. delicate. It's
1: precarious. That's what that's the word. It's precarious. Because, yeah, the potential to be great is there. But the potential, if you don't do this right, if you don't have a a clear and concise vision of what you expect this team to be, it can go sideways real quick, real quick. Brother, I appreciate the time. I took more than I thought that I would with you.
0: Um, And we didn't get to everything I want to talk
1: about. But we're going to do this again. You're going to do this again with me.
0: We definitely we got some other topics we got to get to for sure, for sure. But you know, this is us. This is what we do. We've been doing this before games, exactly. If if, if the people don't know, this is exactly what it's like three hours before the games on the balcony. Boys is up top.
1: That's right. That's right. Getting run out of places because we ain't supposed to be taking (laughs) pictures and and standing. (laughs) We just try to do our jobs. That's all we try to do is do our jobs. NWA or the Pelicans. Yeah, give people what they want. But this, this you are my you are my boy. I appreciate you. I missed you at games, and yeah, uh, but I'm so happy that you enjoying enjoying the life over in Japan, man. Yes, man.
0: Definitely, we definitely gonna catch some more games
1: though. Yes. Definitely next time I'm back. Yes, and we're gonna do this again before you get back too. For sure. Tell the folks how they can follow you and check out um, what you do do.
0: Yes, follow me on any social media platform. Uh, Drew Production. D R U P R O D U C T I O N. Sometimes it has an S, for Productions. Check it. I don't really care. <laughs> you'll see a picture. Yeah, you, you'll see my pictures. I'm sure even if you don't know me, you saw my pictures around. And check out the Spaces podcast uh, or the Spaces events. Join in if you ever have some two, two cents and want to rant about the Pelicans or anything going on. All
1: right, my man. We're going to do this again soon, like I said. So for Andrew Smith, I am David Grubb, and this has been another edition of Hard to Paint. I'll talk to y'all soon.